Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. If you have a Bible, don't go there yet, but you can open, or you can go there, but don't read yet. You can go to Judges, Judges chapter 6, and uh, I want to share with you, I want to ask you a question really quickly. Um, If I were to ask you, what do you need more of in your life? What do you need more of in your life? What would your answer be? Oh, you're so Christian. Somebody said Jesus. (laughs) So spiritual. Can't be Jesus, okay? Because then I can't preach about nothing. Um, that would be the number one. Yeah, I would say probably with all of the bills that are piling up, uh, with the kids that are heading off to college, uh, with your college, uh, bills could be what money, you might say money. Um, maybe in a world whose worth is driven by recognition, maybe you feel like you could use some more attention. Somebody say amen. It'd be nice just to know that you saw me, okay? Uh, I know you saw my picture. How much energy does it take to hit the little heart? Come on, somebody, okay? I just, just need to know you saw me, all right? Maybe you could, your business, you wish your business had a little more attention. Maybe there's a guy or girl you like who's sitting around you. Maybe you wish they gave you, somebody said yes, all right. Maybe, maybe you wish they gave you a little more, uh, a little more attention. The relationship series was last month. Um, maybe you wish they gave you a little more attention. Uh, maybe, maybe you got a lot of questions, maybe a lot of decisions to make coming up in life. And, and what would be nice if you had a couple of more answers, you know what I'm saying? Maybe, uh, do I go to this school? Do I take that job? Do I stay with this person? Do I end it with this person? A, B, C, or maybe it's D, all of the above. Yes, maybe you can use all three of them. But I want to propose to you today. I want to argue today. I want to help you today to see that I think the thing that you really need the most of is not money. It is not attention and it is not answers. I believe the thing you need more of today is peace. Now, that's not going to get a ton of amens because it's not a sexy answer because peace doesn't keep you warm at night and peace doesn't help you pay the bills and peace doesn't you know, help you get your degree. And, and I get all that. But I think the reason why we push against that is because we have the wrong idea actually of what peace is. And so if I can help you see this in a way that helps you, the first thing I have to change is the way you see Peace, And to do that, I want to just share a quick little story about uh, my little sister who's actually in the front row right now. It won't be embarrassing. It's a fun story. Um, and so uh, when I was, when we were younger, she was the baby. And uh, she's just, she's just, a lot of you guys ran into her at the hallway coming into the church. She's the person who violated all your personal space by <laughs> hugging you and getting all up in there. Person who, who broke your back uh, with a hug. She just loves people. She's always been funny, always has been cute, and found a way to just make people smile. Uh, but as the baby, she also got away with a lot of things, and all the older siblings said, Amen. You know how it is if you're the older sibling. Younger siblings get away with murder, okay? Or they'll do something bad, and then it was your fault that you weren't there to stop it. And I'm just like, I don't understand. This is therapy right now for me. And so anyway, she, um, one day she finally did something that she couldn't get out of. And uh, my dad, who, who, who really was not a big spanker. He wasn't big in the spanking, you know, industry. Uh, but occasionally he did it from time to time. I can count on a one hand really how many times he spanked, uh, or two hands, how many times he spanked me and my sister. But well, one of those times was about to happen that day. She did something. I don't remember what it was, but she got caught. There was no way out of it. And he said, Vicky, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spank you. I want you to go upstairs and wait for me. That was the way that he, he multiplied the torture by making you, by making you wait 
you know, for it. How many parents know that little trick? You know, you let them know it's coming. This is worse, you know. So he said, I'm going to come up there in a little bit. You just wait for me. You know, I don't know what he was building up there, but he's just waiting. And so uh, I was like, yes. I mean, I was like, I'm praying for you, Vicky. And, um, and so a couple minutes later, she came downstairs, man. She came downstairs. Hear me, it's a true story. With every article of clothing she owned on. She had about 20 layers of shirts. She had four sweatpants. 10 socks. I'm like, what do you think he's hitting you? I don't understand. And 10 socks and Timberland boots and four hats and just came walking down the stairs looking like the marshmallow man from Ghostbusters. And she came down and, and she looked at my father and she said, I'm ready. And, uh, and my father, being the sucker that he is, saw her with all of her layers on. And say, you know what, Vicky, it's okay. You can just go back upstairs. I'm over there in the corner thinking, that's not fair. <laughs> she got away with it again. She figured it out. And uh, I, think, I think that's a great illustration, really, of what peace is. Because I think when we think of peace, we think of a state of mind or a condition of our soul. But if I were to paint you a picture of peace, it would be that. I believe that peace is actually layers of protection that you put on your heart that give you a confidence, that birth endurance, that manifests in the ability to push through trial. I think that's what it is. I think it's something you put on. And the more you put on it, the more you put on of it, the more you can get through. I, I, I titled this message, Push Through Peace. Because there, there's different types of peace, you know. Um, for a lot of people, uh, peace is defined as the absence of a trial. And in one sense of the word, that's a true definition. Like, for example, America right now is not officially at war with any nation. And so we would say that America is living through peacetime. This is, this is peacetime because there's no, there's no war. And so there is a peace that is defined by the absence of war. But there is another peace that helps you win the war. Come on, somebody. There's another peace that helps you fight the battle. There's another peace that you find in it. There's another peace that helps you push through and that's what I want to talk to you about today, a push-through piece, a piece that can help you get through your issue and your struggle. I, I, I first discovered this piece. I wish I could say I discovered it 10 years ago, but I actually discovered it about three months ago, uh, barely. Um, three months ago, something really cool happened to our church. Um, we got on the front page of the Orlando Sentinel, and, uh, and that's exciting. Like, I was really excited about it until people started calling, and, uh, and people started wanting to do interviews. And the website traffic went up and we didn't know who, what to expect. And I'm, just, and I'm just like, you know, it's cool. You always pray for more people, but you don't really know what to do when they all show up. And, uh, and, so, and so I started to get nervous. I started to get scared. Um, and I just, I just needed peace. And so I woke up at 4 a.m. Couldn't go to sleep. Woke up at 4 a.m., maybe 3, 3 or 4 a.m. around that time. And, uh, and I got up and I did what my pastor told me uh, to do when you can't sleep. Read the Bible. And he told me that. Uh, because one day a lady called him uh, at church and she said, Pastor, I, I can't sleep. She says, I think the devil is trying to keep me awake. And the pastor said, well, here's what you need to do. You need to just go ahead and, and read your Bible. She said, how come? She said, because the devil would rather have you go to bed <laughs> than, to, than to read his word. And so if he's bothering you, he'll let you go. And so, and so she went home and she started reading her Bible. She called him the next day. She said, Pastor, it worked. She said, the Bible knocked me out. I was just <laughs> late. I started reading. I was out. And so every time I can't sleep, I just go to the King James Version. And I just, 
I am out like a light. And so I just want to encourage you if you struggle with insomnia, okay? There's your, there's your way out, all right? Read the Bible. <laughs> and, uh, someone's going to try that and testify. I know it. And testify. And so, so that's what I did. And, and I know that I needed peace. And so what I did was I went in my Bible to the first time um, that God called, that, that the Bible, where God is revealed that's Jehovah Shalom. Uh, Shalom is a Hebrew word. It means peace. And I knew that it was one of the names of, of God. I just didn't know where it was located. So I got out my Bible and I started searching. And the first place that I found Jehovah Shalom was in Judges chapter 6, verse 24, is in the story of a man named Gideon. And it goes like this in verse 24. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it the Lord is peace. Now that's awesome, but I need to know how he came to that conclusion so I could come to the same one. So I had to back up a little bit and I went into the context and Judges 6, 1 through 6 begins to lay the context. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites because the power of Midian was so oppressive. The Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves and strongholds. And whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, the Melekites and other eastern people invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza. And did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of people of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to savage it, to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Now, I don't know about you, but that blows my mind. Because the context in which God was revealed as the God of peace was not discovered in peacetime, but in wartime. And I needed to start there because I needed you to know that God will reveal himself as the God of peace, not in peacetime, but in wartime. This is why I'm so pumped, out about, pumped up about this message. Because how many people can testify to the fact that there's a lot more wartime in our life than peacetime? And if you can't say amen to that, that just tells me you've never had a child. Because my son was born seven years ago. Haven't found peacetime since. When they're a baby, when they're, when they're pregnant, there's all the pains. You're running to the grocery store in the middle of the night, and you're thinking, man, I can't wait till this baby gets here. Then I'll have peace. Ha-ha. <laughs> baby gets here, doesn't sleep through the night. No peace. Start to tell yourself, I can't wait till this baby starts sleeping through the night. Then I have peace. Boom, baby starts sleeping through the night, but then they start crawling and walking. And you think, well, that's good. No. They are, I have a theory about babies. They left heaven so soon, right? They want to go back. I secretly believe all babies are suicidal. You put three toys in front of a baby, a ball, a teddy bear, and a knife. That baby will run to the knife every time. I'm just like, he's just trying to get back. So now I got no peace because every time they, every five seconds, you're thinking, where's my baby? Where's my baby? Can't find him. And then you think, well, you know, once they get out of the walking phase, and that'll be good. So or the crawling phase, so they get out of the crawling phase, and, and then they start in the potty training phase. And <laughs> it's a whole other thing. And so, you know, and every time he calls you, and they're like, Daddy, can you wipe my butt? <laughs> and you're like, well, it's different when they're yours. No, it's not. It's exactly what you think it would be. It doesn't get good. And, and then you tell yourself, you're like, well, when they grow out of that phase, they don't have peace time. And so they finally grew out of that phase. But now we're in the clogged toilet phase, okay? It's just, maybe it's TMI, but I'm just being real with you, all right? We got that. And then I tell myself, well, you know, they're just too dependent on me. I can't wait till they're finally independent. I can't wait till they're teenagers. Parents with teenagers say, uh-uh. 
Because when they're, see, there's a whole other, I'd rather deal with a clogged toilet than a clogged, you know what, okay, I'd rather. And so then there's that stage. Then you think, well, I just can't wait till they grow up and leave the house. But I talk to parents who've had their kids leave the house and they go, at least you know your son's going to come home when they live with you. You have no idea what they're doing when you don't live with them any longer. I realize that in life, there's a lot more wartime than peacetime. And so if you're waiting for peacetime to find peace, it'll always elude you. But if you learn how to discover peace in wartime, then no matter what you go through, no matter what comes your way, you'll be able to discover it. And so maybe we ought to thank God for the wartime. Maybe we ought to thank God for the struggles. When I read that, it gave me so much peace because I realized that I wasn't up at 4 a.m. because I had lost my peace. I was up at 4 a.m. to find my peace. 4 a.m. helped me find it. It helped me find it. Stop blaming God for the situation he puts you in. What if he puts you in in that position not to steal your peace, but to help you find it? But to help you find it. And so, and so I got into Judges, and, and God showed me this around that time, and now I've got four phrases that I tell myself every time I get anxious. And so this is a word for anybody who's battling with anxiety today, anybody who's battling with stress, anybody who's not sure of the outcome of a scenario in their life right now, wondering if they're going to die single, okay, or wondering if they're going to be able to pay the rent, or wondering if, if their mom or dad is going to make a decision to follow Christ, or if their son or daughter will ever end up coming back home to Jesus. This is a message for you. I want to encourage you. These are the four phrases I tell myself. The first one is found in Judges 6.11. This is the same story. This is the lead up to the revelation of Jehovah Shalom. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah that belonged to Joash the Abizarite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. And when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you. Somebody say this with me. Mighty warrior, pardon me, my Lord. <laughs> Gideon said, come again. <laughs> but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Here's the first phrase that I tell myself when I feel like, when I start to get anxious, when I start to wonder if I can be a successful pastor and really help people, or if my messages will help anybody, if I can really be a great dad. Here's what I tell myself. I tell myself, he put it in me. He put it in me. He put it in me. Because I realize there's two wars that we fight during wartime. There's the war that's happening on the outside of us. And then there's the war that's happening on the inside of us. There's a war that Gideon was facing in all the people of Israel against Midian. But there was also a war that Gideon was facing against Gideon. God was wanting to do something powerful in Gideon's life. But every time God tried to speak life into Gideon, Gideon said, what? Who am I? He said, my clan is the least and I am the smallest in my clan. Mighty warrior, I'm sorry. You, might have, you must have me mis- mistaken with somebody else. And he's in a wine press threshing wheat. You got to understand what a wine press is, a big hole in the ground that you would, you know, the juice, you jump on the grapes and you squash them. Why are you in a wine press threshing wheat? You need to be on high ground when you're threshing wheat because when you throw the wheat in the air, you need the wind to take it. So he's doing three times, four times as much work in a wine press. Why? Because he was afraid it would be seen. So now you got a guy who is not just low in the society scale, but his geography is physically low. Like he's in a terrible place. And here's the problem. Listen, we cannot let our place dictate our peace. We cannot let the place we're in dictate the peace within. 
And some of us are in a place right now. And we're looking at our circumstances. And we're letting our circumstances, what's on the outside of us, tell us who we are instead of letting God tell us who we are. Because we see what's on the outside, but God sees what's on the inside. And so he gets Gideon, he says, mighty warrior. And he says it with confidence, man. How can God be so confident? How can he be so confident? I have a theory. Brianna, can you come up on stage real quickly? I know you didn't know I was going to do this, but come on. Uh, yeah, there's a little staircase right here. Yes, yes. Give it up for Brianna really quickly. Give it up for her. She's one of the OG dream teamers, right? Day one, interest, socials, credo, coffee. All right, I love you. Thank you for everything you do. I can never ask you for anything more because you've done already so much for our church and for the Shackleford family. You're like, they're like, you're like they're, yeah. And so, but I do need a $100 check. Yeah. And I need it right now. Okay. You got it? No. <laughs> Just so everybody heard you, do you have it? No. Okay, but I really need it. And so give it to me. I got nothing. Okay, all right. Is that your purse right there? It is. Babe, can you hand that purse to Brianna really quickly? Okay, you open that purse real quickly. Put it in the back right there. Yeah. It's <laughs> a little corner. Check in that right there. Yeah. Somewhere just right there on that corner to see your keys, maybe. Is that? Is that? Keys. Next to the keys, girl. Right next to the keys. Oh, this? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. What's... By ch what is that per chance? What is, what is that? A hundred dollar check. A hundred dollar check from whom? Um, it doesn't say. It does. It says from from. Oh oh, oh. from you. From me. Okay. <laughs> Listen very carefully. I was able to call it out of her because I knew what I put in her. She didn't know it. But I knew it. God can make a withdrawal because he knew what he deposited. And so if he calls you a mighty warrior, it's because he put a mighty warrior inside of you. If he calls you a leader, it's because he put a leader inside of you. If he calls you a fighter, it's because he put a fighter inside of you. If he calls you a healer, it's because he put a healer inside of you. If he's calling it out of you, it's because he deposited it in you. But you know why Brianna didn't know it was in her? Because she had not yet found herself in a position where she needed it. It wasn't until she was put in a position where she needed it that she was able to discover something she never knew she had. My God. What if God puts you in that situation so that you could discover something about yourself that he put in you at birth that blessings could not uncover, that prosperity could not uncover, that only trial, that only persecution, that only a burden could pull out? If he called it out of you, it's because he put it in you. And that's why I love it when he calls things out because I go, well, then it must be in me. I didn't know it. But now that I'm in a situation that needs it, whoop, there it is. There, until you get in a situation where you're going through your purse for your life, for your dear life, you'll never know what you have. Liz's purse is like a black hole. Whenever we lose something, check your purse. Girl, it's always in there. I picked the purse on purpose because you never know what's in there until you're forced to in a situation where you got to go dig it. This is mine. Have a great day. Thank you. Yeah. Number two. 
Here's how I wrote it. It's not on the screen, but you need to write this down or listen to the podcast. Listen to me. Write this down. Don't let your predicament serve as the predictor of your potential. My potential is predicated on God's promises. I will not let my predicament serve as the predictor of my potential. My potential is predicated on God's promises. If he said it about me, even if I don't see it around me, I know that it's in me. Oh, that's in me. He put it in me. Here's the second phrase I tell myself when I start to get anxious, when I wonder if I can do it, if I'll make it, if God's abandoned me or not. Here's what I tell myself. Judges 6.14, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Somebody say, he sent me. That's what I tell myself. He sent me. Liz and I went to our favorite sushi shop. It really wasn't our favorite sushi shop. It was our favorite sushi we got it from Uber Eats, but then Uber Eats stopped Ubering from there. And so we said, hey, on this date night, why don't we go out and go there ourselves? And so we went there, and uh, we enjoyed our sushi. It's very, that's why we went there, because it's our favorite. And we, we wanted to help them out. We said, hey, there's probably a lot of people. We would order more from you. We went to the guy behind the counter. He said, we would order more from you if you could just fix this Uber Eats issue. And the guy behind the counter said, we are on Uber Eats. And then we showed him the phone. And we're like, no, bro, you're not on Uber Eats. And this is what he told me. I, feel, I was so mad at the time. He said, he said listen, I, I don't. He goes, I just work here. <laughs> That'll be $7.88. Like, you know, I just, I, just, I just work here. I just work here. And I was so mad because I'm like, man, this person's not taking ownership. For a second, I was mad. I thought, man, this person's not taking ownership. This person doesn't really care about the business. This person, all he has to do is do his job, and that's all he cares about, just doing his job. My job, what essentially he was telling himself was, my job is cashing people out. If, if you need anything from me outside of that, I just work here. And I got so mad, but then I realized I do the same thing before I preach. Every time before I preach, I stand here on the, on the corner. Well, this is my first time here in this building, but wherever the corner, proverbial corner is at the building where I'm at, and, I, and, I, and I, I'm always nervous. People always ask me, are, are you nervous when you speak? And I say, well, if I wasn't, I think that I would be putting too much uh, uh, trust in my ability. And so I get, I get nervous every time because I understand that I'm speaking on behalf of God and uh, what this, this matters. And so, I, and I, so I get up there and here's the last thing I tell God. I go, God, don't get offended. Um, I tell God, I say, every time I go, these are your people. I say, and I didn't even want to do this. You told me to do it, so you got to come through. Because it's your church, your people, and your word. And then I come out. And it hit me. You know what I was really saying? I just work here. Hey, it's freed me so much. When someone comes up to me at the end of the sermon, they're like, oh, Pastor, I didn't really like your message. You didn't like what we were serving? I'm sorry. I just work here. I just, I'm just a delivery boy, bro. I just, share, I just give you what he makes. If you don't like it, take it up with the chef. I didn't make it. I just serve it. And it frees me. Now I don't got to give you answers. Now I don't got to care what you think about me. Now I don't got to care if I meet your expectations. My definition of success isn't whether you liked me or not or if the church grows. The definition of success is going where he told me to go, saying what he told me to say, doing what he told me to do. Obedience is my definition of success. And that ought to free you too. You can do away with the definition of success that the world gives you. Here's how you define success now that you know this. I'm just doing what he told me to do. 
I'm just going where he told me to go. He sent me. And if I just do that, I know that I'll be successful. He called me. Listen, the confidence that I have to stand up here is not founded in my ability, but in the fact that he called me. And as I'm saying that, somebody back there is in the back row thinking, well, how do I know that he called me? You're so sure about your calling. How do I know that he called me? First off, I'm not so sure about my calling. And I think if you are, there's a problem. I would say that the max certainty you can ever, somebody asked me, how, what, on a percentage scale, how sure were you that you were supposed to start Journey Church? I said 70. They said, 70? You sold your house on 70%? You quit your job on 70%? You went out of salary? You went without a salary for a year on 70%? I go, bro, that's as high as it goes. Anything more than that, and it's not faith. The opposite of doubt isn't faith. The opposite of doubt is certainty. Why would God put you in a situation that doesn't activate your faith? He'll never give you 100% of the answer. He'll, he'll stop at 70. You got to have the faith to go to the other 30. So how do I know that I'm called? I'm here. Location is the evidence of your calling. Here's how I know you're going to be a great mom. You're pregnant. Because the baby's there, you're called. And if you're called, you're going to be successful. Here's how I know your business is going to win. How? You started it. And you're there. And he opened the door. And if you obey and you keep going the rest of the way, he'll follow you through it. Your location is the evidence of your calling. Here's how I know your marriage is going to make it. You're married. <laughs> and if you just take out, he calls me to this. He'll give you the strength to see it through. I'm already over. Dang it. We have a clock in the back, but the clock's not there today. Here's the third phrase I tell myself. You guys minded it for like 10 minutes, five minutes? Here's the third. Here's the third. Here's the third. Judges chapter 6, verse 16. The Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Here's the third phrase I tell myself. And I'm not even joking. I tell myself each of these phrases every time I, I get anxiety. I saw, I saw a post on social media. What do you do when you get anxiety? I was going to write. I was going to write all this answer. But I was like, but then I have no points to share my sermon. So I was like, they'll just hear it on Sunday. They'll just hear it on Saturday. This is what I do. I say these four phrases. And this is the third phrase. The Lord answered, Genesis 6, 16. This is all in the same conversation with Gideon. This is what allows him to say, Jehovah Shalom. Genesis 6, 16. The Lord answered, I will be with you. And you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Here's the third phrase I tell myself. He's with me. Oh, he's with me. When I'm out of town, well, when I'm in town, uh, Liz gets a nightmare. She always cuddles on me. I love it. I'm not one of those anti-cuddle people, uh, unless my back hurts. Then I'm like, get over there. Um, but <laughs> most of the time, I, I, I embrace the cuddles. In fact, I know how to elicit them. I just, I bang on the bed and she'll be like, what was that? I was like, probably an intruder, come on. I got you. <laughs> I got, daddy's got you. Daddy's got you. I just love, I love to cuddle. But, but Liz is a big cuddler when she gets afraid. And so when I'm out of town traveling, um, she makes the boys sleep with her in the bed. If the boys are at their grandparents, she makes the dog sleep with her in the bed. <laughs> True story, right? True story. She cannot be alone in the bed. She needs somebody. She needs, and I think there's, the reason is because there's something comforting about being with someone. Isn't that right? That's why you could be six years old know exactly what a hospital is, know exactly what a doctor is, but when you scrape your knee, you don't want a hospital or a doctor, you want mom. 
Mom don't know no medicine tricks. Mom, mom can't sew or not sew. Mom can't um, stitch. Mom, mom, mom's not going to diagnose you. Uh, but mom will do one thing. She will hug you. And it's something about being with somebody who you know loves you. Do you know the difference between heaven and hell? I know it sounds like I just went somewhere else. But you know the difference between heaven and hell? Not the gold streets. It'll make sense in a second. Not the gold streets. Not the angels. Not the fire. The demons. The, you know, the worms. Or the... You know what the difference is? 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9. Listen. They will be punished with everlasting destruction. He's talking about hell. Paul's talking about hell. And look what hell is. And shut out from the presence of the Lord. From the glory of his might. You know what hell is? The absence of God's presence. That's why you can live through hell on earth. If God's not with you. But if you can have hell on earth. Then God's not with you. Then when God's with you. You can have heaven and hell. I hope that didn't go over you. If heaven is defined by where God is, then what happens when God decides to make his abode? Hell. The hell that you're living through right now. Now all the scripture verses begin to make sense. Remember when he said, where can you go to get away from my presence? If you go to the mountains, I'm there. If you go to the oceans, I'm there. If you go to the heavens, I'm there. If you go to the depths, the depths, the depths, the depths. There's somebody living in the depths right now. He said, if you're in the depths, I'll go there. I'll be with you. I won't leave you alone. And when God shows up in hell, hell turns into heaven. I can worship in hell when God shows up. I can praise in hell when God shows up. I can shout in hell. I can dance in hell when God shows up. When God shows up, heaven shows up. Peace shows up. Love shows up. Power shows up. Faith shows up. I don't need you to change my circumstance. I just need you to come into my circumstance. You into my hell. Make this place your home. Light it up with your goodness. Light it up with your glory. Light it up with your presence. Light it up with your spirit. My family's going through hell. Light it up, God. Come on. My kids are going through hell. Light it up, God. My body's going through hell. Come on, Jesus. Make my heart your home. Would you all stand as we wrap up? We'll stand. We'll stand. Here's the last phrase. This is going to minister to you. Here's the last phrase. I'm going to end up here. John chapter 6, verse 23. But the Lord said to him, I'll finish right here. Stay standing. Peace. Do not be afraid. I'm going to look at it. You are not going to die. So, Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it the Lord is peace. It was like all he was waiting for was that. He was like, it's in me and he sent me and he's with me and I'm not going to die. That's all I wanted to know. Jehovah Shalom. Now listen, I was going to make this point. He said I won't die. But then I thought, I don't know about that. Because really, that's all we want. We just want to know the outcome. Because we think that if we knew the outcome, we wouldn't be as anxious. And so we say, I just want to know, are my kids going to make it to heaven? I just want to know. Tell me now, and I'll be good. I just want to know that. Am I going to have enough money to pay the rent? Just tell me now. Am I going to survive this diagnosis? Just tell me now. That's all I want. Just 
tell me now. And I wish I could stand here and say this, you are not, you are not going to die. But the moment I was writing the point, I thought to myself, well, wait a minute. This sounds really familiar. I think I heard this sentence one time before in John chapter 11, verse 4, with a man named Lazarus. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. Now, if you don't know the story, spoiler alert, Lazarus dies. And so I'm reading this and I'm like, oh yeah, you will not die, JJ, awesome. And then I'm like, uh, but you said that before. And he did die. So I don't know if I can really trust your word on this, God. Tell me what's the outcome gonna be. And I read the version again and I missed it. Jesus never said, Lazarus wouldn't die. He never said he wouldn't die. He said, he, this will not, this will not in death. Here's where peace ultimately comes. We want to know, God, what will you do? God says, I can't tell you what I will do. Because if I tell you what I will do, your faith won't grow. And so you'll have peace, but it'll be a false peace. Because your peace wouldn't be predicated on trusting me. It'll be predicated on circumstance. And if your peace is predicated on circumstance, then the circumstance can pull it away. So I can't have you finding peace in a thing. So, so he said, God, what will you do? And here's what God told me to tell you. You don't find peace in knowing what I will do. You find peace in knowing how it will end. Here's the fourth phrase I tell myself. He will raise me up. I don't know if this next obstacle is going to kill me, but if it does, he will raise me up. I don't know if the marriage is going to make it, but if it falls, he will raise me up. I don't know if, if I'm going to be able to beat this disease, but, but if I don't, he will raise me up. He will raise me up. He will. Come on, somebody lift your hands to heaven and tell him right now. He will raise me up. He will raise me up. He will. I don't need to know the outcome. I know how it's going to end. I don't need to know what you'll do. I know how it'll end. And it'll end with you getting glory. And it'll end in my good. It'll end in my good. In God's glory. I don't know if the next surgery is going to heal my daughter. But I know how it'll end. I know how it'll end. I know how it'll end. Are you willing to trade the answer for the hope? Because that's what God sells. Not answers, but a hope that is certain, a blessed hope that one day the trumpets will sound and God will come and restore everything that went wrong right. Every broken heart bound up. Come on, let's close our eyes for just a moment. Why don't we cast our cares on Jesus right now as we, as we wrap up tonight. Father, you are bigger than we thought in a room full of people who are struggling with anxiety, in a room full of people who are wrestling with the outcome of their circumstance, scenario, or situation, 
their predicaments have limited their potential. They're like Gideon hiding in a wine press, afraid to start their day. Anxiety has them so crippled, afraid to go out there. They need to, re to be revealed to them. They need to discover Jehovah Shalom here today, the Prince of Peace. And so as a community, we sing, I will rest, I will rest, I will rest. Come on, tell them, we bless Find peace. Jehovah Shalom. He will raise me up. He put it in me. He sent me. He's with me. He'll raise me up. I trust in you. I trust in you.
Journey Church, let's pray this prayer together. Worship team, let's pray this prayer together. Father God, Father God you are my peace. I put my life in your hands. Take me tonight. Do what you want. I give it all to you. I love you, Jesus. In your name, I pray. Amen. Come on, give it up. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option. Or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.